Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Wesson Walker Show. This is Wes. I mean, seriously, I this happened... 20 seconds ago, and then Wes just decides in the distance to give us this kind of show cry to start off. It's Wes. Oh, let's go, baby. Let's get it going. Come on. And Walker. Out of nowhere. I mean, I look like a pansy, to be honest with you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Fitty said, that scared me. I said that scared the <laughs> bleep said, out of yeah. me. I look- said the same thing. Monday, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. This is the Wesson Walker Show. I'm joined by, of course, Walker Mail and Josh Fiddy Marlowe. And we got Drum in the building as well. The research team He's back. is back in the building, hanging out on his fall break. Chilling, and we're eating. not lying about this like I usually do when yeah, I call for Drum he's to literally research. Here. Like his, he is here, not yeah, only Yeah, you want to say what's up to him real quick, Drum? But in body. Yeah, just go ahead and grab yeah, the microphone. Say, hey, guys. And then say, just hey, say guys. what's up to Charlotte. What's up, guys? All right, there we go. <laughs> eating one Skittle at a time. I told him I've never seen that before. Normally, I get a handful, but. I know, do that sometimes, each though. Each their own. You yeah, do, you do I, one I at do. a time? Most of the time, I'm usually grabbing a couple, but every once in a while, I'll see if there's any different flavor. See, I think you were I'm, just a sheltered, uncultured swine. See, I think I'm more prone to do that with a peanut M&M than I will a Skittle eat one But those, But those flavors taste the same. It's all chocolate and peanut. With the Skittles, they got different flavors in there. This is true. That's why I need multiple. Yeah, well, with the with the Skittles to make it all. Yeah, with, yeah, you know, I need four or five of those, a handful per bite. No, I, I see. I think you're doing it all wrong. But I think I think if if you will allow me to give you some candy eating advice, okay. not to say that you need it, but okay. if you if you're going to be open minded, what I would say I'm here for is with the M and M's because it's all chocolate. Doesn't matter what color it is, uh-huh. all chocolate, all peanuts, or even the normal. That's when you can just roll with a handful. But with Skittles, if you want to. You want to get the individual. You want to get the individual. I got you. Mixed berry Skittles, sour Skittles. They got different flavors. So I think, I think Drum, despite his young age, has been doing the wise Skittle thing for a while now. All right, folks, you asked for it, and here it is. It's time for the campus cone. No, he's got some glee in his voice for this one. All right, well, we're going to start this thing out, first of all. Uh, with Dave Dorn, okay? The highlight of the weekend. We know we had some big upsets. But Dave Dorn, in my opinion, sealing his legendary status as a coach at NC State, all right? I was doing this game for the ACC Digital Network that you can check out. Uh, regular highlights, you can get condensed games and four games as well. Doing the game, once it's over with, I'm hanging out, waiting on some stuff to load as I'm making things. And I don't hardly ever listen to the post-game interview, but on the CW, it got spicy. Fitty, play the hit. We're going to start with why he did it first with Steve Smith because he gave the smoke to him. So we're going to play what Smitty said first and what Coach Doran said after. Fitty, let's get it. Look, Clemson has been struggling. They're not the, the Clemson we've yeah. loved over the years. But NC State, unfortunately, they're waiting for basketball to start. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> All right, and then Dave Dorn was not here for any of that on the CW post-broadcast. This is what he had to say, retorting Steve Smith. 
And I tell Steve Smith in the studio, this ain't a basketball school. He can kiss my ass. Man. <laughs> the silence afterwards is what's hilarious. And you know what? As I cut that clip to go up on the ACC Digital Network, I let that linger as well because uh, the interviewer said, back to you guys. And so it's always interesting to hear what they're going to say in a moment like that because in all my years of watching college football, I haven't heard a head coach say what he said in a post-game interview to get that spicy. And so when you went back, Dorm was definitely hyped. After his NC State Wolfpack beat the Tigers 24-17, to the second time in the last three tries, even though they out, got outgained 364-202, to 202, even though they only had 138 passing yards, even though they only had 64 rushing yards on the day, State was able to get the win. But I ask you, Walker Mel, did Dave Doran's postgame spice for Steve Smith cement his status? as an NC State coach. Yeah, this is strong for me. This cement his status as a legendary NC State coach. Do I like it? I like it fine. I'm not as in mm-hmm. love with it as you are. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, Dave Doran is going to have to go, what, win eight, nine games? And he also got his 100th win that day, he, too. He did. So he was able to get with – he got this win against Clemson – That's a big deal, even with Clemson not playing nearly as well as what they had the last couple of years. They're 5-3 and this year. I would still say, I don't know how people feel about it, but it's still a little disappointing of a season, I would say, so far. But the win against Clemson was big. Yeah, I don't know if this cemented his legendary status as NC State head coach. (laughs) To me, I don't know if it's eye-rolling. Like, I'm here for the back and forth for the most part. Uh I just feel like the coaches here recently have cared so much about what people have said in pregame shows that they harness it. And then mm-hmm. they say, oh, we're not listening to all this stuff. We're, we don't care. Mm-hmm. We're focused on the situation. We're 1-0 every week. We're just going to prepare the way we do, regardless of what everybody else says. And then the first thing you say after a win is, kiss my ass, Steve Smith. Mm-hmm. Like, clearly you do. And then so don't hit me with this we don't care stuff the next time because – Clearly you do. It's just, all right, That that's fine. Do whatever you need to to manufacture some kind of emotion going into this game, whatever you want. But I, I, I'm i a little fence city on this one. It okay. worked. You got the win. I don't know if I view you as a legend after it. All right. Well, he had just a little bit more. So, Fiddy, let's play that last bite from the press conference. Doran had a little bit more when asked about the incident. Yeah, I mean, for a guy that lives in Charlotte, he clearly has got his head faced west to Utah all the time, which, you know, I understand. And no disrespect to him, but he disrespected our program. And uh, I'm not going to let people do that. These kids have worked their butt off. Um, we've won a lot of football games here. And in my tenure, I think we're second or third in the ACC and wins in football. So, you know, he can take that and put it where it belongs. But this is not a basketball school. This is a great great school it has great sports and football is one of them and uh, so yeah if he wants to come see me we can talk about that but you know do your homework before you start talking shit. yeah so um i think that for one i love the candor because coaches always give you canned answers and dave Dorn is no different than a lot of coaches he does that often as well but i think like i said some of these guys it's been a frustrating year for them like you said you feel like the season wasn't or hasn't been what they thought it would be. And I would agree with you there. And so I think guys get frustrated. 
I think that, you know, once he heard that, that really fired him up. But also, too, I think it was a little strategic. We're in the NIL era. We're in the transfer portal era. So he doesn't want that narrative out there, especially had they lost that game. They're all, you know, State's just a school. They're waiting for basketball to start and things of that nature. He got that out there quickly and said, no, no, no. We are all about football here at NC State. This is a program that's won X amount of games. He just got his 100th win. And so I think that that was a message to be delivered to recruits as well to let them know, yeah, nah, NC State is indeed a football school. And you can look at their facilities, their crowd. They hardly ever I mean, I can't remember the last time they didn't sell out a game. Their fans are rabid. They're off the chain. So I think kudos to uh, Coach Dorn for what he did. Yeah, I, I do I like it. No. If anything, the pettiness. So, so here's the question, though. I'm, I'm sure Fiddy will have some strong comments on, on this as well. I, how for sure are we that they're a football school? Like, are we 100% sure? Like Dave Doran can tell me to kiss his ass if he wants to as I mean, well, just I think, for asking this question. But we are talking about a couple of championships. If the ACC is more of a basketball conference, while the NC State does have, yes, a while ago, but if we're talking about the history of both of these programs, then you got a couple championships. You have one of the more storied basketball programs of all time, the team that beat Faisalama Jamma. We have a whole Jimmy Week, Jimmy V Week, where he coached at NC State. And we are talking about a team that I don't know how you want to compare postseason success, but Dave Doran's lost the last three bowl games he got to. NC State basketball, yeah, under Mark Gottfried, got to the Sweet 16 a, a couple decade times. ago. A co- yeah, well, right, but when's the last bowl game they've had that they won under Dave Doran? Sure, but they've I'm been just, eight wins. Asking. They've been eight wins or better five of the last six years, and I think for a school like NC State. I think that's something to hang your hat on. Like, so I, they won in 2017, by the way, not quite a decade ago, but the yeah. last. Yeah, I just, I'm just asking. Like, there's, there's <laughs> a right. reason for for this basketball <laughs> stuff. I, I think. I mean, not really. And you refer to them as one of the most storied basketball programs of all time. The team, it, this, the team that won. Yeah, that was 40 Lam- years ago. Well, oh, yeah. that was that was 40 years ago. No, no, no. State's a football school. Okay. Because just, because the lack of success on the basketball court. Would lead you to believe they're a football school, and rightfully so, because this is how coward that, that that university is. Back in the when the ACC was first formed, State went all in on basketball because they couldn't beat Duke and North Carolina in football. Then Duke and North Carolina start beating their ass on the basketball court for forty some odd years. Now they revert back to being a football first school, and that's that's fine because that's what State is. Because we know come January. Duke and North Carolina are going to run them off the court twice a year. And so he's not wrong. They have become a football school. Now, they're not a they're, – they're not, they're not going to carry the flag for the ACC as a football school. But NC State, modernly, yes, it's a football-first athletic department. All right. So now moving on, what a lot of you wanted to talk about, Georgia Tech and North Carolina. Man, here we go. It was UNC's first loss in 46 games under Mac Brown when the Tar Heels scored over 40 points. Uh, Carolina scored five touchdowns and five drives in the red zone. They got 153 rushing yards from Amarion Hampton, 310 passing yards, two scores from Drake May, 58 rushing yards. He had 368 yards of total offense, if you are counting, at home. But the win for Georgia Tech was the third straight over North Carolina, fifth win in its last six matchups against the Tar Heels. Georgia Tech had 635 yards of offense. That was a season high, most ever against an ACC opponent and most overall since it totaled 655 against Tennessee in 2017. It ranked 
fifth all-time in program history, and Georgia Tech's 348 rushing yards were its most since it had 377 yards in 2020 in a game against Duke. And when you break this game down in the second quarter, Georgia Tech had 223 yards passing. And then when you look at the fourth quarter, they ran for 246 yards. This game was a track meet from start to finish, but Carolina came out the loser. And so when you look at this thing, how much hope do Carolina fans have that this program can ever become a national contender? Because this is arguably the best quarterback. No, I won't say arguably. This is the best quarterback you'll ever have. And for them to have their season pretty much go down in flames in the last two weeks has got to be very disheartening after such a promising start. Oh, my goodness gracious. The fact that this happened again, the fact that you lost to Virginia, which is a worse loss on face value than Georgia Tech, but the fact that both of these games happened back-to-back to to now take you out of any college football playoff conversation. It (laughs) it might... I'm, I'm not saying it was. I'm saying there was a case that you could possibly make if they won out. Not anymore. Done. You'd ask, is there any way for this program to get to the college football playoff? At least in a top four scenario, which... Luckily for North Carolina, top 12 just might be able to allow you in. Maybe. But in a top four scenario, there's no way. If, if that one was to continue on and to go and go and be the way in order to get to a college football playoff, there's just no way you're going to be able to achieve it. You're right. This is the best quarterback you're ever going to have. If Mac Brown's the head coach, you're going to drop a couple of these awful games every single year. Yeah, heartbreaking for Hills fans, man. I, this was the season. 6-0. and We were talking about 9-0 and as... Not a given, but close to it. And you're 0-2 yeah. in this three-game stretch. Now it's completely out the way. All right, Fiddy, let's go, man. What you got? Go ahead and uh, give your take as well. You know, bagel guys begging me to go to the foul line. I'm just going to tell you, I don't have the energy or really the care factor to go there. <laughs> because I knew this was going to happen. I knew last Monday they were going to get beat by Georgia Tech. When Mac Brown Called said, it. well, you know, we're one play away from being a top 10 team in the country, and a lot of teams lost at home or lost over the weekend. But no team lost at home to 1-5 in five Virginia. And then the bleep that man said today that we're two drives away from being a top 10 team in the country. Go to the retirement home, Mac. You gave up 246 rushing yards in a quarter to Georgia freaking Tech. And this ain't even Paul Johnson, Georgia Tech, we're talking about here. We knew that game was going to be fun. We knew it was going to be high scoring because Haynes King is that dude. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Nobody gets talked about. But the mindset is the issue with Tar Heel football. You've got a weak, soft-minded head coach that's leading your program. That's why you keep losing these games over and over and over and over again. Yeah, and I also, really quick, I saw a rumor, and it was said in said tweet that there were rumors flying that Drake May could sit out the rest of the season. I mean, I gave smoke to Caleb Williams. I got to give it to Drake, too, if he does indeed do this. But I ask you guys, if he did do this, and he says, that I, I got to save my arm because... Mm-hmm. I don't want to get hurt for the draft. Would we think less of Drake May? I mean, it would just be the backbreaker of a disappointing season after <laughs> six and zero. Yeah, I, I look. I usually stay on the on the side of let whatever you need to do in order to shore up the money. But yeah, it would it would suck for this team because they're not even out of ACC championship contention now. 
You know, so there there is still technically, right? I'm not saying they're going to have there. to get a lot of help. They would, but technically, they could still do it. And for you to just say no, I'm you know, I'm sitting out the rest of the season, despite there still being a mathematical chance, a, a decent one at that, for us to get to Charlotte. Yeah, that would be pretty hard to swallow. Well, I think you guys already know that I would, but uh, Fiddy, what say you? Really quick. Um, he'd be he'd be a quitter. Yeah, I, right, I know how my boy was going to come through on mm-hmm. that one. So. All right, <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk about Thomas Brown's first game as a play caller. What do we think here on the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7, WFNZ. Don't change that down. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Arguing with NC State fans on the text line. You can argue with them. Continue to do it if you want to. 704-570-9610. What I love about Fiddy West mm-hmm. is that during the break, he's like baffled as to why State fans might be mad at him. When at the end of his take, he talked about how North Carolina was going to destroy him. Right. And how they weren't any good in this one sport, so they had to invest all in this other one. Like, he doesn't see the backhand compliment. Or the, crit- or the criticism that he has for him at the end of his take. It's like, wait, why are State fans mad at me? Like, genuinely <laughs> befuddled. Not understanding why State fans were mad. And yet, here they are continuing to text us. What you got for him, Fiddy? No, yeah. I, I mean, you know, look, I know when we first got put together, we identified you looking like a dookie. Nah, mm-hmm. you're a closet NC State fan. That is the consensus that I have come to. Because then you tried to argue during the break that it, NC State is more of a college basketball blue blood than Indiana, which that's, is really baffling no, with you what, having ties to Indiana and understanding that Indiana basketball is a royalty and is something that should be treasured in the college basketball universe. Wes, you can attest that I did not say that. In fact, I said the exact opposite. Yeah, you really didn't, though, because you're <laughs> literally, we literally argue that Indiana – a, a, a school that you cannot tell the history of college basketball without oh, that's is no longer classic. a blue blood. But <laughs> NC State, a program that hasn't been relevant in college basketball since 1983, is still very much in the same blue blood argument as the Hoosiers are. What does he hear? Yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, what does he hear? That's exactly that what that. happened. <laughs> I, said, I said, in fact, don't get it twisted. Indiana has a much better basketball history than NC State. I said those words. Yeah, but when you, you talk you still about argued, hold on, Fiddy, hold on. You can no, hold on. No, 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 Fiddy. No, when no. in the last twenty years, <laughs> it's a great point. <laughs> but in the last twenty years, when you're talking about NC State basketball, yeah, compared to who you had argued Indiana about being a blue blood, when you say that, then Gonzaga's not a blue. My, my only question was, you put it in modern times, yeah, right. In the last twenty years, Indiana 
State. Played for a national championship, preseason number one, preseason player of the year. Has NC State had any of that to their to their ledger? I'm not. Yeah, we got to move on because I didn't say NC State was going to be just as good go as ahead Indiana. and say I won the argument. It's okay. Uh, I don't think anybody <laughs> would be saying that. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, ninety-two-seven WFNZ, and Fitty's angry today, man. I get it though. North Carolina, they lose again. It's tough to see them lose two games in a row. We got some people writing in about North Carolina losing two games in a row. Virginia, Georgia Tech. At least the Panthers won. At least we got a victory. From the Carolina Panthers, getting the job done against the Houston Texans. And we did a little, is this for real? Is this a fluke? The other one is, you know, one of the topics that we had in that uh, subject matter was Mm -hmm. Thomas Brown's first game as a play caller. Do you feel like there was a big difference between Frank Reich and what Thomas Brown did as play callers? Or do you feel like a lot of it was the same? Maybe a few wrinkles here and there? Tell us how you evaluated uh, the New I York think State. some of the downfield attacking that we saw was coming from Bryce Young as far as adapting to what was happening in the pocket. Uh, when he made some of those off-schedule throws, as everybody likes to say, when you look at the directions of his passing, uh, he was two for three in passes, uh, 20 plus yards down the field. And when you talk about going outside to the left where he was able to scramble to, which a lot of right-handed quarterbacks preferred to scramble to the right, uh, he was two for two, 71 yards. And so that was some of the big plays that the Panthers got offensively uh, for him. And so, and I pointed out earlier, when you look at the box score of these teams and you look at the statistics and Carolina when you're talking about yards per pass attempt and the Panthers were 31 uh, coming into this game at 5.8 yards. Now, the last three games, that's up a little bit to 6.4. But when you looked at the yards per pass for this game, it was 4.9. So still a fairly conservative plan and 3.7 yards per play. Um, And I thought that when you watch this game, maybe we would see a little bit of razzle-dazzle as far as what we got from Houston, whether it was the faking zone one way and coming back the other way with the reverse or some of the things that they were doing with Tank Dale on those jet sweeps. What about the flea flicker almost going for like four yards? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was going to be a a second take Tuesday play or a thought about that. I mean, that was arguably the worst flea flea flicker that Mm -hmm. I've seen. Yeah, one gun. uh, And it was uh, a game I was watching. They did a fake flea flicker, and I forgot, and I was thinking about you too, and I said, man, I've never seen that before for uh, ever a fake flea flicker yeah well we and we saw even too if you watched the chicago game last night i mean it was over early right but there was one play where they tried a, a qb a pass from um darnell mooney tyson bajan goes on the left side and he's well covered and so mooney does a good job just picking up some yards but it felt like there were a couple of failed trick plays yesterday mm-hmm. one here with carolina with the flea flicker it happens man when when the trick play fails you look like the biggest idiot but when it works you That's look right. like such a genius and so i thought that to answer your question was there market difference no i did not think so uh as far as seeing some wrinkles and some different things that really put a stamp on the offense for thomas brown and i think that a lot of the big plays that we saw were byproducts of bryce playing off schedule and finding a guy he was great against the blitz yesterday bryce young was. that he was and I wonder how much of that was having your running back be a little bit more involved in the passing game than we had seen in a while. Miles Sanders, he was involved a little bit earlier in the season, but then he goes away completely. Honestly, thought that was one of the best things he did for the team early on instead of running between the tackles. But here you get Blackshear involved. Blackshear has a couple receptions for 26 yards. Chuba has a couple of receptions for 26 yards. So each on two targets, right? You were even efficient. 
throwing to the running backs coming out of the backfield. So I like that, Wes. You saw it when they were backed up against their own uh, end zone. Raheem Blackshear is able to take it for a first down. Chuba, a couple of times on the game-winning drive, he was there. And usually that's what happens, right? Hot route, running back out of the backfield just to relieve yourself of some of the pressure because you don't have any interior pass protection. According to Pro Football Focus, the Carolina Panthers website there, a part of PFF, Bryce Young was 8 of 10 against the Texans blitz yesterday. He threw for 142 yards, no turnovers, and had close to a 119 passer rating, 118.8. So that's what you like. I think that's the sign of a really smart QB, which we know Bryce Young is really smart coming into this league. Mm -hmm. Even if you have game one of your NFL career where you do get outsmarted by somebody like Jesse Bates, who's a really good, smart safety that's been playing for a while now. You learn from it. We get to week seven. We get to week eight the middle portion of the season, and you see Bryce starting to figure it out. Real accurate, too. I mean, how many just flat-out misses did he have yesterday? And that's kind of been a trend for him all season long. Even if you didn't love what Bryce Young was giving you, what he had been doing, hitting open wide receivers. We even had a couple drops yesterday that, you know, that completion percentage could have only been better had some guys held on to it. Yeah, I think what Bryce did was great. One thing I liked with Thomas Brown was having those running backs involved, and you were looking downfield a lot more. I wonder if also, is there a correlation here, seeing Thomas Brown as the play caller and seeing Bryce look a little more like Bryce, or is that just Bryce himself starting to figure out a little more? I'm not sure, but at least we got to see a win. You had some nice drives. You weren't able to finish it in the red zone. You did have a couple field goal opportunities. Overall, pretty good and there's a reason we feel so good about Bryce playing what we both think is the best game that he's played so far yeah no doubt about it and I think that maybe there was some discussion that hey man don't be afraid to be you and I think that's one of the biggest things that Thomas Brown if indeed he gave him that type of advice that's one of the biggest things you could give uh, a kid like that because how many Alabama games did we watch with Bryce Young where things broke down and he went out of the pocket and made scintillating plays that was one of the big things for him when he was in college he gets out of sacks where you think he's dead to rights. And then he makes a big time throw down the field. And I think that that's something that you can't take away from this kid. And you could argue that through his first few games that he might have been a little bit too mechanical, a little bit too worried about making a mistake, a little bit too worried about not doing what the coaches wanted him to do. And I think, too, man, it's the old, you know, old adage of survival of the fittest. And I think yesterday when you saw him make some of those plays he made, it came off of the pocket breaking down, and I've got to get out of there and make a football play. Like, what else are you going to do when your tackle gets beat or the running back gets blown up on uh, picking up a linebacker or a defensive lineman? And so he had to make some of those plays on his own. So that's nice to know that this kid can come out here and make football plays when things break down. I mean, how many quarterbacks have we seen that has that clean of a performance. That's the biggest thing you looked at. The performance was clean by Bryce Young, uh, even though his line gave up six sacks and nine tackles for loss and 10 quarterback hits. He took, he got, for lack of a better word, he got his ass handed to him yesterday and he kept coming. And I think that's one of the true signs of an NFL quarterback. That's the true sign of a stud NFL quarterback because that's the game, especially when you're a young guy. You're coming to a really bad team 
when you come there. And the Panthers were in a little bit different position because they were nice. So they were bad, but not bad, bad. Uh, what well, they had a losing record, I should say. But when you get a kid that can come in and take and deal with that type of adversity in the pocket, getting hit in the mouth, constantly dealing with pressure, having to run around and make plays, and he comes through for you like he did yesterday, man, that's invaluable. With a game-winning drive. Yes. With a game-winning drive, despite being knocked down constantly because you can't trust your left tackle and you still can't quite trust interior pass protection. What do you think about Austin Corbett? First game back, I thought he was a little rusty. He wasn't atrocious, but there were a couple times that you allowed pressures through. Um, I, I still think the left side of the line is is the weakest part. I, I think we knew that already, and that might have even been true when you did have uh, Austin Corbett out and you had Calvin Throckmorton on the right side. You know, Zavala was on the left side for a little bit, too. It, it does feel like, though, Corbett hopefully can, all right, first game back against Houston. Hopefully he can get going back to what he was last week. But but not n- n- as good as how he performed last year, I think, on Sunday. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he came back. There's going to be some rust there, no question about it. I mean, just the speed of that NFL game is going to get you no matter who you are. Uh, you know, PFS got him down for giving up a sack three pressures, so he had a tough time in there. Uh, the Houston, like I said, that Houston pass rush, they ate and they ate very well. Hopefully you see the performance continue to get better the more acclimated he gets back into the game. So, do you still think the offensive line, how bad did it hinder what Thomas Brown wanted to do yesterday? Was he still able to accomplish some of the things he wanted to, or was it just, <laughs> we got to figure out how to give Bryce some time, despite Grenard destroying Ike Kwanu. Will Anderson get in the backfield a couple times? Yeah, I mean, one of Fiddy's favorite things that I say, man, hell no. Okay, like this offensive line definitely hindered what Thomas Brown wanted to do. It's going to hinder what anybody wants to do. I mean, if I've got a guy back there that I know if he doesn't get this football out in two seconds right around it, that he's going to be toast back there, yeah, it's going to hinder my play calls because I don't want to put my quarterback in a position where he might not make it out of the game. And so you got to be able to adjust to that. That's why you see the screens. That's why you see some of the quick passes that you see uh, from this Panthers offense because you can't afford to give a team, uh, especially in obvious passing downs, you can't afford at this point with the type of play that you're getting from your line, you can't afford to put him back there and ask him to sit in the five, seven-step drop because you're not going to make it. No, hell no. Yeah, there we go. There's your drop. (laughs) Was the offensive line good? Wes, what do you say? No, hell no. Thank you. I like speaking to <laughs> Voice of God, Wes, instead of just Wes Bryant himself. Just speaking to us from, yeah, coming down and saying, nope, hell no. That's no, not, hell no. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Wes Bryant, Voice of God, as Aaron Rodgers might say. Last thing here, finishing up with this Carolina Panthers segment, looking at Thomas Brown's first game as a play caller. You can uh, feel free to send your thoughts and comments in on the text line, 704 704- 570-9610. 704 rode in. Both teams look terrible. Stop hyping Bryce up and this uh, C-minus football team okay. that he plays that's, for. That's a bit rich. <laughs> hey, C-minus I'll actually take compared to the 0-6 <laughs> record that they had coming into this game. Uh, NASCAR Brad, well said, Wes. I believe that was about Thomas Brown and uh, Bryce Young also coming back and playing well after being dropped because of the lack of protection from this offensive line. Big Cat Dan, I think this is a good point, too. There were more drops than misses when you had an incompletion against the Houston Texans yesterday. That's true, which just tells you you need offensive linemen and you need wide receivers. The grocery list is long. (laughs) It is. It's like the weekly grocery shopping. When you hadn't been in a while and there's not much in your fridge. 
It is indeed. What you got, Vinny? <laughs> Did y'all agree with the fourth and goal decision to go for it? Because remember, go back week one. I wanted Frank Reich first drive, take the points, get your rookie quarterback some confidence. For Thomas Brown, I wanted to give himself some confidence. Hey, I can put together a drive that can get some points. Did you agree or disagree with that decision to be aggressive on that fourth and goal? I'm pretty um, much always going to go for it. I love it. God, you just analytics, aren't you? I'm a Madden player, man. Yeah, no, I, I, I do too because of the confidence factor it gives your team. I mean, if you're that close, like coaches will always tell you, if we can't get a yard or two yards or whatever it is, we don't deserve to win this game. I mean, yeah, they got stuffed three consecutive times on the run, but you have to let your guys know that you have confidence in them, especially when you come off of three negative plays and then you decide to say, hey, let's kick a field goal from the two-yard line. That's like, dang, mm. I was like, come on, like give us give us another shot. You know, that's how you feel because once he says bring the field goal unit in, you kind of feel like your coach doesn't have confidence in you that you can get the job done. But on the flip side, Wes, I'm sure this happened to you a time or three at Wake Forest. How <laughs> deflating is it to drive all the way down the field, you go for it, then you get no points? I mean, three th three's better than zero. Yeah, that's bad, too. You know, no question about it. <laughs> that's awful, too, if you work all that time and you're not able to get points. But sometimes, like you said, you have to make a statement to your team and you have to make a statement to the fans and, and challenge guys. And that's what it does, too. It challenges them. Challenges challenges them. <laughs> Let's get the damn job done. Yeah. I, plus, it just it feels like you're coaching scared. Yeah. I, I understand taking the points. I, I get everything mm. you're saying. But it does feel like you're coaching scared. I don't think we're going to be able to get these two yards, so might as well just go ahead and get this chip shot, which, by the way, Eddie Pinheiro would miss an extra point, so it's not guaranteed. At least he hit the chip shot at the end of the game. That's what matters. It's, but even still, it's just, okay, here we are with an 0-6 record against the Houston Texans where their offense has been good. Our defense is banged up. This is at the beginning of the game before you knew how everything was going to play out. So if our defense is banged up, they've allowed quite a bit of rushing yards the last couple of games. C.J. Stroud has been very good. He doesn't even turn the ball over, right? So now you, it's not like you can bank on this defense taking interception based off of C.J.'s track record so far because the guy just doesn't throw interceptions except for the one so far this season. Let's go for the touchdown just two yards out. That's why I like that decision. And it's something that I actually value about Frank Reich as a philosophy, we cannot like some of the play calling. Certainly, that was a discussion early on in the season before he handed responsibilities over. But I do like that Frank Reich, by nature, is an aggressive coach. That I don't want him to forget all about that now that he's handing over play well, calling. Well, last game. thing I'll say, too, is that it also, you know, you play some field position. If you get stopped at the two of the one, well, the other team's got to start their drive at the two of the one. So you have a chance to be able to either get good field position, get a safety, so it kind of works two ways. Which is also why I hate the term trust your defense when you kick the field goal. Because it means you trust your defense more if you aren't successful on fourth down. Trust your defense to not allow the team to go 90 yards. Right? right? Like that That's trusting your defense. And yeah. so that, that reason has never made a ton of sense to me. Let's go to the second Fitty Flash of the day before we move on. What you got? Fitty. I know we're all jazzed up about the NBA in-season tournament. I think it gets officially underway this Friday, guys. And to prove to you how important this is, the NBA has unveiled uh, courts. Every team has a court for the in-season tournament. Walker, have you seen these on your on your Twitter at all? Yeah, you're not going to like my answer on how I think about because it. Because you like this? 
Oh you my. like that? Oh, come Walker. <laughs> you like that? It is. Uh, it, it's like me. It is ugly to look at. Damn. It's not very. It's not very pretty. I love the idea. But why are they all the same concept with the colors? Can't we get a little bit more flavor? But but you know what, Fiddy? Also like you, you're very different. And with the NBA trying to do something different, that's what I like about this. I We remember we were not a fan of the play-in tournament until we got to see how it played out, got to see how the teams reacted, gave you more meaningful basketball down the stretch. And I think the in-season tournament is going to be something different. It gives you something, just a nice checkpoint. Gives you something meaningful to play for. I don't know how important the trophy is going to be to these players. I don't know if it's going to be more important than the pig trophy that we apparently are now <laughs> playing for against the Hawks. But at least it's something different. And I do also like when you have these different design, the, the different design type of things that are built off aesthetics. Go crazy. Yeah. Go nutso. And you I know what? I feel courts. like they did. I do too. Yeah, I, I love like these a courts 100%, man. This is dope. It, it will definitely give it a different feel because you have to give it something to make it feel different than an average regular yeah. season game. And I think they did a good job with that, with the designs that they have for these courts. So I like it, Fitty. You can uh, go to break. <laughs> <laughs> he was about to be like Dave Dorn and tell you where you can put it where yeah. it belongs. Yeah. That's what he was about to say to one Josh Fitty Marlowe. Let's continue to talk about the Hornets, the Panthers. We got a lot to get to on a Monday edition of Wesson Walker at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Well, we brought it in with the Fitty Flash. The courts unveiled for the mid-in-season tournament. Weird. Not necessarily mid-season, but in-season tournament. I like them. Wes likes them. Fitty very much doesn't. I know you don't like the City Edition uniforms either, and so they've been unveiling a couple of different things. The Hornets, the NBA, as far as what they're going to wear, what they're going to play on. I like the jerseys more than most people. I don't... I feel like this happens to me, though. I I need to be more of a hater, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Preaching to the heavens there. Yes, please make this man a hater. I, I didn't mind the jerseys nearly as much. I think you were with me on that, too, Wes. I like the courts a lot. The I've yet to see great. the uni. Yeah. Well, so with the it's the teal and the mint together. Okay, okay. So that's, yeah, I like that one. It was a nice clean. You one. have some gold. People think it looks a little too close to the New Orleans Hornets. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of an aqua that they're working with in New Orleans. There's a difference. Aqua, teal. Hornets fans know this. The aqua man. Mm-hmm. We know about that. We know it's different. So uh, I, I do, I will say, I like the City Edition uniforms as well. Love the uniforms that they were wearing on opening night. Did not like the way that the Hornets played in the second game. 
against the Detroit Pistons. That they looked good, that they played well against Atlanta. Not so much against Detroit here, Wes. They lose the second game of the season, 111-99. to The Hornets will play the Nets at the Spectrum Center to end the three-game homestand to start the season. And if you go back, I, I thought the, the biggest difference, there were a couple differences. The biggest difference from the win against Atlanta to the loss against Detroit was how Mark Williams played. Mark Williams, we were all celebrating him. He's the center of the future. People were joking with me how he's my favorite player now. Who do I like more, P.J. Washington or Mark Williams? Well, he did not play well in this game against Detroit. And if you go back to last year, we all wanted to see the Mark Williams-Jalen Duran matchup. We came there for the Williams-Duran matchup. What we got was Mark Williams and James Wiseman matchup. This is the first time since Mark Williams entered the rotation that we really got to see those two guys go at it. Jalen Dern won, man, in a big way. I, I love Mark. You you know how much I love Mark Me Williams. Me too. I caught him in the new Dikembe. Got punked, man. Yeah. He got punked in this game. Seven of eight, Duran was in this one. 17 rebounds. <laughs> 17 rebounds for Jalen Duran. 14 points. Beef Stew comes in. Six of 11 from the field. Took five three-pointers as well and shot 40%. 15 points for Stu, nonchalantly. If Beef Stew is running after LeBron uncontrollably and then nonchalantly goes, you, hey, you want to scrap after the game? You want to fight? <laughs> they punked us, man. And that was unfortunate to see the Hornets play with such a lack of physicality that they were somewhat ready for on opening night. They were not ready for it against Detroit. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then you look at the assist-to-turnover ratio in that game. Absolutely putrid, 20-18. to 18. And then again, I'm worried about the shooting. 37.5% from the field, 25% from three. That's just not going to cut it. Uh, when you talk about this basketball team, LaMelo goes two of seven from three. Did get to the free throw line 12 oh, times, yeah, though. So you like that. Nine rebounds, nine assists as well. But four turnovers, not good. But the shooting, like we said, we know that he is uh, coming off of injury as far as not being cleared for that long. But 4 of 17 from LaMelo, sure he'll be better, but not the way you want to start off the season. But none of the starters outside of uh, P.J. Washington play well. But another bright spot, again, was Brandon Miller with 17 points on afternoon, very on the evening, I should say. Very efficient, 46% from the field, 50% from three from him. And he shows that he's not scared to take and make big shots. Six boards for him, but I'm just a little concerned about Charlotte shooting. Yeah, uh, DJ Skinner wrote in, too, another takeaway from this game. Let's face it, fellas. Those referees were some BS from the rip. They were bad. I'm I'm never... When you lose by double digits, the Hornets had plenty of their own problems. I'll say it a million times. You'll hear me say it once more. Another time, there's going to be a poorly officiated game. It wasn't on the refs as to why they lost this game. But yeah, the refs were pretty bad. Mark Williams got in foul trouble immediately. LaMelo Ball, he had the one foul. P.J. Washington fouled out of this game. And so you had the well, and you had the the beef with P.J. in there, Terry Rozier. I talked about Isaiah Stewart getting involved as well. And so you had a couple guys that matched intensity, but you didn't get it enough. And speaking of one of the guys that did match intensity, Brandon Miller has gotten off to a very good start. Second overall pick, doing exactly what you would want from him, contributing off of the bench, He's been the only guy off the bench. The concerns with the depth, that's proving true so far, especially on full display this game. Brandon comes in, gives you 17 points. 
I thought Teo did a good job getting to the foul line, but overall, still, Brandon Miller was the only guy contributing for for you. Miles Bridges, if he comes back, when he's eligible to come back, Miles Bridges is going to help, and then you'll be at least seven deep where you're comfortable with those guys offensively. But yeah, Brandon's done a good job, hit a couple of his four three-pointers attempted, uh, hit big shots to keep the minute, not completely get destroyed off of the bench. So big shout to Brandon Miller, who's played well the first two games. Yeah, man, you have to love what you see from him, Walker. Have you uh, gotten over Scoot yet? Are you? I should. Ooh, buddy, you know who's not playing well. I know people are reminding me of it on Twitter as well, because, yeah, I absolutely, I caped for Scoot hard this offseason. Three games is a little ridiculous of a sample size to mm-hmm. write the future of these players. Plus, it's a really poor situation right now for what Scoot is going through in Portland. Anthony Simons got hurt. All that to say, Scoot's been awful. He's not been good. Yeah, Shots aren't falling for Scoot. They are for Brandon. So I, I've thought about putting something on Twitter out there. Hey, I've never liked Scoot. I've always been team Brandon. <laughs> going for Brandon Miller from the start. But no, it's the Hornets are winning that battle right now through two games in Brandon's career, three games in Scoot's career. But yeah, no, Brandon has been very good. And, it, and this is one thing too, right? It's all relative watching Brandon Miller go to this team where he doesn't have much responsibility, right? He doesn't have to start. He has to help you off of the bench, but man, I think he is reaping the benefits and delivering exactly like how he should. He's hitting open shots on catch and shoot. You know, he's helping out when guys put him in positions to score because the defense has to focus on Lamella. Who's going to throw up 17 shots. PJ Washington, who had 18, the first game, 13, the second game. You're not relying on Brandon Miller to perform, but in those other times, he, he's been able to hit his shots. And so that's all you can ask for. He's contributing right away, and that's a really good sign. Yeah, no doubt about it. I was just asking you that because you already know uh, I posted some more Wimby highlights with the crying emoji. I just okay. I, I can't shake it, man. All right. I can't shake it. You, so you, I, just, I just wanted to ask. You you can't you can't get over can't. Wimby. I can't get over I, – I can get over Scoot right now. Fiddy can't get over Kelly Oubre who is, I think, continuing to play well. I know if somebody asked, hey, what are the six-man-of-the-year odds for Kelly Oubre? It's already starting. We've all got our NBA crushes, you know? All mm-hmm. I know is I heard Wes talk about the lack of shooting, Walker talk about the lack of depth, and there's a guy in Philadelphia that uh, could have you know, solved all those issues, but I'm happy for the Tsunami Poppy mm-hmm. because he's in a place that cares and he'll be appreciated more than he ever was here in the Queen City. Kelly told you that himself. That he's glad that he's playing in a place that actually cares. That he did. Has some hopes. <laughs> Throwing a nice parting shot the Charlotte Hornets way. It's the Live Wire with Josh Fiddy Marlowe coming up next on Wesson Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.